You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Josh Heupel, officially introduced as the new head coach at the University of Tennessee. We'll talk about it with Michael Bratton of Saturday Down South, SEC Mike on Twitter. Also, the 2021 SEC schedule has been released. We now know the order and the dates for each SEC team's schedule this fall. We'll run through some of the bigger matchups and determine who wins the conference. And we'll catch up with Ross Jackson, part of the Locked On Podcast Networkers. He is down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl. We'll get his thoughts on how some of the SEC players down there have looked so far and who has stood out the most. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On SEC for free. Wherever you get your podcast, you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Well, yesterday, Tennessee Athletic Director Danny White introduced his new head coach, Josh Heupel, the program's 27th head coach. Here was Heupel. Just excited to be a part of the Vol Nation, Vol family. I want to thank uh, uh, Chancellor uh, Pluman and President Boyd um, for uh, your vision of what you want and foresee in athletics, the importance that it uh, has uh, on a collegiate campus, and entrusting me. Uh, we want to go chase championships. Uh, we want to be our absolute best. Uh, at the same time, we want to develop them in, in, uh, in life, too. And, and appreciate you guys entrusting us uh, with the care of this program and these young, young men and, and individuals. Hypo was also asked about what his style of football will look like. Uh, we're going to play with tempo here. We're going to be the aggressor. We're going to play with our skilled players out in space. We're going to give them an opportunity to, to push the football down the field. At the same time, if you really watch what we do, we're extremely balanced in our approach as far as running pass. We want to be physical. We want to dominate the line of scrimmage. Those are all things that are going to translate to, to what we're doing here in, in Knoxville. At the same time, that aggressive mentality that we have on the offensive side of the football is going to carry over to what we're doing on the defensive side of the football as well. We'll be multiple in all fronts, uh, three-man, four-man fronts. We're going to bring pressure. We want to create negative plays. Uh, I think in, in the game of college football, offensively, it's about creating big plays. Defensively, it's about creating ne- negative plays and getting people off schedule. You put those two things together, you got a chance uh, to have a really successful uh, game plan and ultimately uh, a season. Lastly, Heupel talked about taking this job amid investigations ongoing. Yeah, I had a very frank uh, conversation uh, with every person of leadership uh, about what had transpired, uh, what their knowledge is, uh, what they believe is going to transpire as far as any, uh, any penalty. Uh, and the reason that I'm standing here today is because I believe in a very, very, very bright future for Tennessee football. There's a minor speed bump that, uh, that we're going through, but the kids that are in our program right now and the kids that are being recruited are all going to have an opportunity to go play and chase championships. All right, join us now on the show is a guy, you know him from social media, been all over Twitter for quite a while, a guy who covers the SEC like no other. He is SEC Mike. You know him as uh, Michael W. Bratton on Twitter. He works for SDS now, that SEC podcast, and talking all things SEC, better than a lot of people out there. And He joins us now. Mike, what's going on, man? Hey, Chris, doing good, man. I'm thankful that uh, this damn Tennessee coaching search finally over. <laughs> I bet. I mean, this has been uh, this has been pretty crazy how it's all gone down. But, hey, kudos to them for stepping up quick and making a quick hire for an athletic director and a uh, head coach because, man, 
last week at this time, it felt like, God, are they going to go with Kevin Steele as a year of an interim coach? Look, I, I've said this all week, Mike, and see, I'll see what you think on it, but this is kind of where Tennessee is right now. I mean, I, I see, I've seen a lot of people saying maybe we can get Hugh Freeze, maybe we can get this person, that person. Like, I feel like Josh Heupel's not a bad hire for where you are right now, but I think a lot of Tennessee fans still think of themselves as a top 10 type program, and you could do a lot better than Josh Heupel. How do you feel about the hire? Well, Tennessee fans are so passionate. Uh, we can always do better than the guy we just hired, but you know, four coaching searches in a row should kind of indicate otherwise, you know, and you throw an NCAA investigation on top of it. I didn't think there was going to be any chance they landed an acting power five head coach. Now they tried like hell to get one. They, they made their pitch to James Franklin, I'm told, and it nearly worked, but that would have been just a coup if they managed to do that. I don't know, you know, what James Franklin was thinking other than potentially money, why he would come to Tennessee kind of for all the reasons you just said there, but Man, this is uh, they got they got a sitting head coach that's got a ton of expertise on the offensive side of the ball. He's had one of the most explosive offenses in the country the last couple of seasons. I know he's not perfect, but you know all things considered, I mean I think this is uh, this is checks all the boxes for what you want if you're Tennessee moving into 2021. That's what I said, Mike. I mean, for for Vol fans who had to suffer through watching. You know, God love him. He was a good kid, but Jared Garantano, I mean, struggled a lot throughout his tenure at Tennessee. A very inconsistent player, and you know how Jeremy Pruitt kind of botched the, uh, you know, Harrison Bailey and uh, putting on all those quarterbacks late in the year. You just felt like, man, they did not handle that properly. At least with Heupel, this is a guy who gets it, who's played at the highest level when it comes to quarterback. You know, won a national championship. It feels like at least, if anything, you're going to have more consistency and better quarterback play with Heupel there. Yeah, and that's what Tennessee fans have been dying for. And the guy they wanted, you know, Lane Kiffin, that was the most popular name. This is basically the same offense. I mean, the the offense down at Ole Miss, I don't know how many fans know this or not, but, I mean, he doesn't even call the plays. He lets Jeff Levy call the plays. And Josh Heupel was the one that hired – Levy before Lane Kiffin. So there's a possibility Levy comes back. I, I don't know how realistic that is, but, hey, I think uh, I think you're on the right note. You, you're kind of getting what, what you wanted with a Lane Kiffin, but you're just not getting the baggage. And don't forget, I mean, that guy's got plenty of baggage, uh, about as much baggage as, as the guy you just fired for cause. Uh, what are you hearing on some of the other assistants? I know Jay Graham was a guy that, uh, you know, some Vol fans were hoping to retain and, as well as T. Martin. I know there were Peerless, Peerless Price tweeted out that you know T. wasn't very happy with, with this whole situation. What are you hearing on those guys, and, and who, who, who do you think gets held over from the last regime, if anybody? I think the only one you can count on is uh, Coach Osevet, who was uh, coaching the tight ends. I, I, he'll kick over to the receivers coach, I would imagine. He kind of fits as a coach that uh, has a – he was a former junior college head coach ran an explosive RPO offense. So uh, he interviewed actually with Josh Heupel about a week ago down in central Florida. So there's already a connection there. And that's the only one that I'm confident in saying that will return. Now it makes all the sense in the world for Tennessee to keep Kevin Steele and potentially make him the uh, defensive coordinator. But uh, Danny White is not going to force anything on Josh Heupel. So that'll be up to him. And that's probably going to be the, the higher that, uh, makes or breaks them. And I'm not saying it has to be Kevin Steele, but this late in the process, 
you know, we just look at what just happened to LSU. I mean, they struck out with several defensive coordinator candidates. I don't know how realistic it is for Josh Heupel to turn around. Maybe he's got someone in his back pocket, but if he does, I don't know why he didn't hire that guy at UCF. So uh, I think, you know, it's, it's only natural for Tennessee fans to, to want to see Kevin Steele keep that spot because I had Kevin Steele rated as the SEC's number one defensive coordinator heading into last season, uh, his final season there at Auburn. So, I mean, that would be a really strong start to uh, the Josh Heupel era, but we'll, I have no indication one way or another whether it's going to happen or not. Yeah, I think that would certainly be at, at least, you know, intriguing if you've got Heupel, uh, you know, running the offense and then you bring it, you know, you get Kevin Steele running the defense. I think that actually might not be bad for Vols fans considering about where uh, where this thing could have been, uh, you know, if they would have just said, no, we're going to wait a year before we hire our next head coach and if the athletic director search had gone a little bit longer. What do you think the first step is for Josh Heupel? Is it to go try to re-recruit those uh, current kids that are in the transfer portal? My first order of business, there's a quarterback in the state of Tennessee coming up, going to be a senior next season. His name's Ty Simpson. He's apparently down to Alabama, Clemson, and Tennessee. And there's one of those schools that is not like the others, but that should just give you an indication of how bad this kid is, uh, you know, wanting to come to Tennessee, grew up a Tennessee fan. His dad is the coach at Tennessee Martin. So, I would push my chips more into into that boat because I think a lot of these guys that are in the transfer portal, yeah, you got to make them a high priority as well. But they all came to play for Jeremy Pruitt and Brian Niedermeyer, the bag man. So now that all those guys are gone, it seems very unlikely that uh, they're going to return to play for Josh Heupel. But yeah, you got to make those calls. But they wouldn't be my first priority because I think they're already one foot out the door. Talking with uh, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike, of course, on Twitter. Been uh, covering the SEC for a long time. Mike, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know you put out your SEC West and East predictions a few weeks ago, and I think some people were taken aback where you put Kentucky as your second-best team in the East behind Georgia and ahead of Florida. But as I started to look into it a little bit more, I I said this guy's on to something here because – you know, everything you've read about Liam Cohen, who's going to be the new offensive coordinator at Kentucky, that they might open this thing up for. I was looking through the numbers, and, man, Eddie Grant, I know he was beloved in, in Kentucky, but the quarterback play was really bad there these last couple of years. If they get some competence at that quarterback position, Kentucky could really be one of those sleeper teams that surprises everybody this year. Right, and, you know, you referenced it there with their new offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. I mean, Kentucky's going to be – the first team in the SEC that is kind of embracing this uh, Sean McVay-type offense that's taken over the NFL. Now, that's not to say that uh, Kentucky's just going to light the world on fire on the offensive side of the ball because you got to have the players. But uh, they do have a talented freshman named Bo Allen that uh, is a local kid that toured up in high school. I know, obviously, SEC is a different level, but he's already seen the field at Kentucky, and he – you know, the game didn't look too big for, for him, in my opinion. They just landed a really coveted receiver transfer from Nebraska named Wandell Robinson. He's one of their best players the last couple of years under Scott Frost. And Kentucky's also one of these teams where, you know, if you've been pl- paying close attention, there's a lot of seniors coming back for the 2021 season all across college football. And I believe Kentucky's got more guys coming back than anybody in the SEC East. So, Last season, I was also high on Kentucky. That were they were just a huge disappointment, but they finished strong. 
you know, they could have folded. We've seen teams like South Carolina and Tennessee kind of fold down the stretch. Kentucky went the other way. I think they captured some momentum. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of these guys return because they know, you know, the talent that is in Lexington. It's it's a very underrated roster. And you kind of hit on it there. It's it's all going to be about the quarterback and how well that thing comes together. But, you know, that prediction may have a little bit more to do as well with uh, how low I am on Florida. I I just think that the Gators are really going to struggle next season. Mike, last thing before we let you go, um, the SEC schedule was released yesterday. We got to see uh, – I mean, we knew who everybody was playing, but now at least we know when and, and uh, you know, where falls in the schedule. Anything jump out to you initially from the uh, SEC t- 2021 schedule? Yeah, I mean, a couple things. I mean, we're dwindling down here with the these uh, neutral site games, thankfully. That, those are finally coming to the end. <laughs> Uh, we've, we've only got six this year, and, and two of them are, of course, the annual games with Florida, Georgia, and Arkansas, Texas A&M. So we've really only got four of those left, and, and I feel like in years past we've had like ten. So that's dwindling down. Uh, here's one for Tennessee. They don't face a single team in the SEC that's got two weeks to prepare for them. So that's pretty unusual. Now on the flip side of that, Alabama, you know, we all cry Alabama bias in the SEC. They're facing three teams. That's the most in the SEC with two weeks to prepare for the Crimson Tide. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out for the Crimson Tide. It doesn't really seem to matter who the coaches are, who the players are. They still (laughs) dominate. But at least they didn't catch any favors this year on the schedule when it comes uh, to to the new release that just came out. Yeah, can I just say, Alabama fans, plug your ears just a minute. I mean, we need Tennessee to be good, okay? We need Tennessee to put up a fight against Alabama again, and that hasn't happened in basically a decade. We need that to happen again for the better of the rest of the SEC. So if they can help us out there and maybe uh, compete with Alabama moving forward, that would be uh, that would be nice. He is Michael Bratton. Follow him on Twitter at Michael W. Bratton. Of course, SEC Mike. You see him on Twitter. He's got almost 30,000 followers. Give him a follow if you haven't already. Mike, great to talk with you, man. We'll have to do this again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate you. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Thanks so much. And just one other tidbit real quick. Uh, last night, Tennessee running back Eric Gray took to social media to basically announce he is transferring to Oklahoma. So, Wanya Morris heading to Oklahoma, and now running back Eric Gray, who uh, led the Vols in rushing last season. He's on his way to Oklahoma, so two big losses for Josh Heupel. Uh, also, Alabama is expected to fill its Final assistant opening with Tennessee running backs coach Jay Graham as well. So Jay Graham on the move. He'll be heading to Alabama. All right, when we return, we are going to get into some conversation on the SEC football schedule for 2021. It was released yesterday. We know the dates and how the schedule shapes up for every SEC team. We'll run through some of the highlights next here on Locked on SEC. Why would you pay more for auto parts when you can get the parts you need for a lower price at rockauto.com. We tell you guys all the time, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. When you go to rockauto.com, you will have thousands and thousands of auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. You just put in your car, your make and model, your gear, and they will show you exactly what you need. Everything from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, wiper blades, whatever you need, 
They've got it at rockauto.com, and they've got it for an amazingly low price. Their uh, rockauto.com catalog is unique, really easy to navigate, and they've got all the reliably low prices for the, for the do-it-yourselfers and professionals out there. Why would you spend twice as much for the same parts at some of those local stores across town? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure you're right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Hey, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter, Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports needs, sports news you'll need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Well, yesterday, a big day on the SEC football front. I saw that the... Uh, uh, SEC Network did a whole special on it with Peter Burns, Chris Doring, Gene Chizik, among others, and they were breaking down the entire football schedule as we now know when you are playing your opponents. And to just run through some of the highlights, we knew some of the big non-conference games to start the year, but man, what a week week one is going to be. September 4th, 2021. Here's an idea of what we get in week one of the SEC football season next year. We get Alabama playing Miami on a neutral field. We get Georgia versus Clemson on a neutral field. We get uh, LSU versus UCLA out in Los Angeles. We get Ole Miss taking on Louisville. I mean, those are some awesome, awesome games taking place on the first weekend of college football next season. And, of course, you get some teams just with their warm-up games. Auburn's playing Akron. Florida's playing FAU. Arkansas versus Rice. I've got to be honest with you, those aren't going to be a lot of fun games to watch. But, man, welcome back to the Cupcakes, at least in a season where we played a full 10-game SEC schedule. It's going to be nice to go back to playing uh, some warm-up games, some games that kind of get you ready for the start of your season. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But just looking through the schedule, some of the games that stick out, those are all the big ones. In week one, week two of the SEC slate, Texas A&M is going to play Colorado. We mentioned that game will be on a neutral field, I believe, in Denver. So that'll be a fun one to see. Missouri will go out to Kentucky to play the Wildcats in Lexington. That'll be a fun one. Mississippi State gets NC State. That's an interesting week two non-conference matchup. And then the big one in week two, Arkansas playing the Texas Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian getting to show what he can do versus an SEC team as the head coach. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Week three of the SEC, we start to get into conference play. But the big one, Alabama at Florida. That is going to be a monster game just to uh, get an early gauge on how good Alabama and Florida are. Again, both teams going to be working with new quarterbacks. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll also get Auburn at Penn State, a really interesting week three road trip for the Auburn Tigers. So that'll be good. Then we'll get Georgia against South Carolina as Georgia gets into SEC play. And then Vanderbilt will play Stanford. Look, I think Clark Lee, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get things going there in Nashville. But power of the Brainiacs between Nashville and Stanford in week three. Week four, 
really start to get into the thick of SEC play. Florida will play Tennessee. Arkansas will play Texas A&M. Of course, that game will go back to Jerry's world. LSU will play their first SEC game against Mississippi State. And then from there, we kind of go into uh, the thick of SEC play. But the thing that stands out to me the last weekend of the schedule of the season, love to get back into the rivalry weekend. Like everything was thrown into a muck with, uh, you know, it was like you played your rivalry game that you normally end the season, and then you had to play another game. And then for some teams this year, you had to play another game after that. So it'll be good on November 27th, later this year, we'll get Auburn, Alabama. We'll get Arkansas, Mizzou. We'll get Florida, Florida State back. Yes. We get Georgia, Georgia Tech back. We get Kentucky, Louisville back. And then LSU A&M, which has been a lot of fun in recent years as well. South Carolina will get Clemson again. And, of course, the Vandy-Tennessee game, which may decide who uh, finishes in last place next year in the SEC. I kid for uh, ball fans. But, anyway, that's just the gist of it. Look, we got – 14 different teams, so I could run through each and every schedule, but we'd be here all night if uh, if I ran through those. But it's a lot of fun to just kind of look ahead and see how your schedule shapes up and kind of grade it and kind of, you know, write, okay, that's a win, okay, that's a loss. We love to be optimistic, especially when we're in January of a, of a you know, season is many months away. But it's an opportunity for you to kind of look at it and be realistic and say, okay, I think this is going to be a tough game. I think this is going to be a tough road trip. And I think just about everybody's got it tough from around middle of October into November. I think everybody's kind of got it tough when you look at how, the, how it goes. But uh, regardless, I think if you're Alabama, you like your schedule, your road trips are at Florida, at Texas A&M, at Mississippi State, and then, of course, you finish the season at Auburn. I think for Georgia, look, that, that opening season game against Clemson is a monster. But after that... Now, your two teams from the East are a home game against Arkansas and a road trip to Auburn. But I think your November sets up well if you're Georgia. If Georgia's sitting there undefeated and they could somehow beat Florida in the cocktail party on Halloween weekend, you finish with Mizzou at Tennessee, Charleston Southern, and at Georgia Tech, I think Georgia goes undefeated. They are my early pick to win the East. Of course, it's easy to just pencil in Alabama in the West, but I'll be interested to see what the early returns are on the quarterback play of Bryce Young throughout the spring and the summer. We'll see what Texas A&M does. Haynes King appears to be the favorite for quarterback for them, but they brought in some good recruits. We'll see who wins the job there and who settles in. LSU, keep in mind, they're bringing back Miles Brennan. If they get that defense fixed, they'll be a contender. And then Ole Miss. We'll have four important games down the stretch, which, if you missed it, they do play Liberty in the month of November, so we get to see Hugh Freeze versus Lane Kiffin. But after that, Ole Miss gets home games against A&M and Vandy and then finishes on the road at Mississippi State for the Egg Bowl. Maybe a chance for Lane Kiffin and company to play spoiler in the conference and win a lot of games this year. So I think it's very wide open. I, I love that we've got so many players coming back next year. We just don't have a lot of quarterbacks coming back. So I think that's going to make the, the season a lot more unpredictable because you're going to have some young quarterbacks that will have to step up in big road games and perform well. If not, we're going to have a lot of upsets next year. There you go. That is just a quick glimpse at the 2021 SEC football schedule. When we return, we're going to talk 
all things Senior Bowl. With our buddy Ross Jackson of the Locked On Podcast Network. He is down in Mobile. Find out how some of the SEC players are looking down there. Stay with us. Take a second to remind you guys about our friends at betonline.ag. Look, there is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust when it comes to sports betting, and that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. We've got tons of action happening this weekend, tons of SEC basketball games. Got a whole other week out before the final football game of the year with the Super Bowl, but they've already got that up. If you want to get in on the Tampa Bay Bucks plus 3.5, or you feel pretty good about the Chiefs minus the 3.5, you can do that at betonline.ag. Look, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use their promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. I told you the other night, felt pretty good about Kentucky plus the points at Alabama. Man, they were covering it going into the last minute, and they let it slip away. Alabama got the cover. They are red hot right now. Alabama hoops, they have won 10 in a row. Feel good about them covering again? The next couple of games, you can do that at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Tell you guys all the time about Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bar ever. 18 amazing flavors, six new ones. Look, there's no way you're going to be able to try them all. Why not go check out their website, BuiltBar.com. They've got a variety pack. You can sign up and you can use all different ones and see which one you like the most. I did that and I found the one that I like most, the cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein in it, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Built Bars are great for you if you're a health-conscious person or you're just looking to lose or maintain some weight in the new year while you indulge in a delicious treat. They are bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, so much better than some of those other protein bars you might find at the fitness store. Check them out right now. BuiltBar.com is the website. You can look at everything they have to offer, and if you find something you like, throw it into your cart, and before you hit that checkout button, make sure you put in the promo code Locked On and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey, a quick reminder to check out some of our great other Locked On podcasts, talking all things SEC. Our buddy Josh Ward does a great job with Locked On Vols. Of course, he's got some great content up this week, talking everything surrounding the new hires and the drama with the Tennessee Volunteers. Make sure you check that out on the Locked On Vols show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Roll along here, locked on SEC, and we've been talking all week about the Senior Bowl. Figured we'd catch up with one of our buddies who is down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, our buddy Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network down in Mobile, covering the Senior Bowl, and there are a lot of SEC guys down there, so we figured we'd get Ross on for a segment to give us an update on how those guys are looking. First off, Ross, welcome in, man, and what uh, what has the Senior Bowl been like this year? I've been in the years past, and, man, it's all access, and you get to get, get in at every practice. You get one-on-one time with a lot of different players. Seems like it might be a little bit different this year. Yeah, man, absolutely. First of all, uh, thanks so much for letting me join me. It feels like old times, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Above anything else. No, man, but uh, yeah, it, it's a lot different right now, right? I mean, uh, you know, the, post, po- the post-practice interviews aren't as, you know, shove a microphone in somebody's face and just ask questions and all. It's, you know, we're 
it's kind of re- regulated to having four prospects after each practice. One of them stands in each section, basically, and then we just work our way down to the bottom of the bleachers and ask as many questions as possible and get as much tape as possible that way. And then after that, it's kind of like, you know, just trying to catch people and the, the ins and outs in different places that you might run into them and everything like that to get that one-on-one time. But it's not as built in as pos- as it usually is. Uh, Matt Nagy, all the guys here at the Senior Bowl have done a great job at keeping everybody, uh, keeping everybody safe and, and making sure everybody is uh, in a, uh, you know, maintaining their distance and doing all that stuff. So they, they've done a really good job here keeping everybody comfortable. Ross, one of the guys I was really looking forward to seeing this week is a guy that I, I think everybody's all over the board on him. They were saying, you know, there was a point during the college season that people were saying Kyle Trask could be a, a first-round pick back into the first, and then some people saying, okay, maybe a second, third, or fourth rounder. And I was really hoping to see how he would look in the, in the Senior Bowl week, and then we find out earlier this week that due to a lingering injury, he will not be there. What, what did you hear about Kyle Trask and why he had to pull out of the Senior Bowl? Yeah, I've, I've heard lower leg injury being part of the issue. Not sure if it's specifically foot or ankle related, but somewhere within that general area being a lower leg problem. Uh, just something that kept him out, not being able to participate here. And it, it kind of stinks because he and, you know, Mac Jones were two of these guys we were really looking forward to seeing kind of without their weapons or, or, or without being as comfortably set up with the weapons that they're accustomed to. How do these guys look? You know, what does Kyle Trash look like without? You know, a Kyle Pitts, what does, you know, a Mac Jones look like without a Devonta Smith, without a Jalen Waddle, so on and so forth. He was part of that sort of triumvirate of, uh, of three quarterbacks that people want to get a better look at in uncomfortable circumstances. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that opportunity this week. Yeah, the funny thing is, you say, you know, being comfortable, he was going to have Trevon Grimes and Kadarius Tony, two of his teammates there. Yeah, so that's true. <laughs> would have been nice to have those guys to throw the ball to and, you know, who you already have chemistry with. What do you? What is the buzz so far on Mac Jones in your mind? Because I, I, he's another one I've seen all over the place. A lot of people saying, you know, maybe mid to late first, and then some people saying, oh no, he's a second rounder at best. What are you hearing or seeing on, on Mac Jones? Yeah, I mean, so far I'll tell you this: uh, he has kind of underwhelmed so far here at the Senior Bowl, and and some of it has to do with the higher expectations that he had coming in more than it has to do with an actual lack of production, which may be a little bit unfair. But that's why we get three days to look at these guys. We're two days down now, uh, but you know, some of the things that he's had issues with, uh, you know, ball placement, ball location, accuracy, which is which is kind of strange because those are the things that he's probably most well-known for in terms of his ability to be accurate and be careful with the ball. So he has uh, come up short on a couple of occasions, but he's also made some plays as well. So I think we might get a better kind of look at him tomorrow and an opportunity to really put all three of these days together before he gets to the game on Saturday. Yeah, it would be funny if, uh, you know, you take him out of that five, all the five-star offensive linemen in front of him and Devontae Smith and all that talent he had, maybe he does look a little bit more human outside of that. Let's touch on the, his two Alabama teammates. I know Devontae mm-hmm. Smith is there. I was surprised when I heard he was going to be part of all this, but from what we understood right. as of yesterday, he wasn't really taking part in anything, not even doing the weigh-ins. Uh, but his teammate Najee Harris, I saw yesterday that he was taking part in the drills, and a lot of people saying it was against the wishes of his agent. He said, look, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to compete. What have you seen out of uh, right. Devontae Smith and Najee Harris so far? Yeah, uh, Devontae Smith, we haven't really gotten a, a much of a look at. He's just kind of taken his opportunity to see, you know, meet with teams and, and things like that, kind of taking advantage of the financial literacy uh, things that they're doing here, the extra programming that they get to do. So still wise for him to be here and take those opportunities to 
allow maybe some of the teams to get to know him a little bit better. But Najee Harris is somebody that, you know, looks every bit as good as he's advertised. We're talking about a guy who, you know, scored 25% of his touchdowns in 2020 on third down. So he's got nothing but clutch gene written all over him, and he's ready to perform. Uh, and he does a really, really good job there. You know, you're not going to see him do anything that is, you know, shocking at all. He's catching the ball out of the backfield. He's, you know, breaking off a couple of runs every now and then. But, you know, it's the guy that averaged over five yards per carry without having more than 20, 25-yard runs in his senior year at Alabama. So he is the model of consistency, and so far he's shown that here in Mobile as well. Give me an idea on, on who you've seen that that's maybe popped or stood out from the SEC. I know I've heard a couple of the offensive linemen, maybe the Drake Jackson from Kentucky or uh, the kid from Tennessee, Trey Smith, I know is out there. Who, who have you seen that's mm-hmm. looked good so far? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Trey Smith. I'd love to start with him because he has been uh, somebody that's caught my eye in both practices now and pretty much any time that he's on the field, I, I take a quick look at him. You know, he's He's a top 10 talent in terms of the amount of talent that he brings to the field, but there are all these concerns around him with the upper body blood clots and, and the issues that he is, the health issues that he's kind of come up against and all he missed the entire 2018 season. But since then, he hasn't missed a game at all, and he started all but one game. So as long as the medical checks and everything, which is a big reason why the senior bowl is so valuable with some of, for some of these prospects, particularly uh, in that instance, he's somebody that has looked really, really good and somebody that I'm uh, – pretty excited about going into the draft process. He's been a lot of fun to watch. They've used him both on the interior on both sides, and he's performed very well uh, there. Another guy that stood out for me quite a bit is uh, wide receiver Kadarius Tony out of Florida. The guy is just, he looks unstoppable in the one-on-one drills. Uh, he had a really nice matchup at one point with UCF DB Aaron Robinson, who ended up winning that rep. But outside of that, Kadarius Tony has won every rep that he stepped on the field for, and he's looked great in the team drills as well, winning some of those matchups and even getting some uh, some play in the backfield as well. You see him taking a couple of jet sweeps and, and getting him involved in some of those other wrinkles as well. So it's been uh, a lot of fun watching him. He's certainly been a big-time standout for us. Yeah, I know uh, I saw Dane Brugler tweeted out that uh, Shy Smith from South Carolina, he made a heck of a catch at the practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look, when you look at the receiving core, uh, especially for the American team, you got Racy McMath from LSU, Josh Palmer from Tennessee, the two guys from Florida, as I mentioned, and Shy Smith. I mean, it really is dominated by by SEC guys. And then the, the tight end, Trey McKitty, as well from Georgia. Is there just kind of like a lot of buzz that there are – a heck of a lot of SEC guys there, and there's no doubt that that's where the best talent comes from. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a pretty good consensus here because even if you go away from the skill position players, you look at the contention of Alabama offensive linemen that are here as well, and, and uh, Dickerson and Deontay Brown and, uh, and and Motherwood, and there's so many of those talents here, along with, of course, uh, Trey Smith, who we just talked about. And so there's really, really good talent all over the field from the SEC and uh, you know McKitty is somebody who made an incredible catch yesterday too so he's really uh, starting to you know make sure he gets all the eyes on him as well and so there's a lot of opportunity here for these guys that are maybe coming in from the SEC to get some exposure because obviously everybody always expects the best from them but when you come out and you show it as well it definitely catches the eye. Uh, I'm not sure how much you've seen of the linebackers yet but there are three absolute studs from the SEC this past year Jabril Cox from LSU Monty Rice from Georgia and KJ Britt from Auburn KJ Britt's one who uh, hurt his thumb midway through the season Mm -hmm. had surgery and then basically didn't come back the rest of the year he's one to keep an eye on and then you you have some other guys like Jacoby Stevens who uh, is leaving LSU and 
you know, a few other guys that from the SEC that just have question marks on. Uh, have you seen anything out of the, the defensive players yet? Yeah, certainly, uh, with, without a doubt, actually, I would I would definitely highlight uh, Jacoby Stevens. He's been a really interesting one to watch because they've been working him sort of unsurprisingly, but it's good to see they've been working him at both safety and at linebacker. So you'll see him line up at weak side linebacker on some of these plays and also line up as a safety on others. And, you know, the guys that are super versatile that can come out and be multiple, they always get a lot of recognition here at the senior bowl. And Jacoby Stevens is absolutely doing that for himself. Uh, Jabril Cox is out there as the vocal guy, and that's always really helpful as well. He's also got some old friends from SD, uh, NDSU out here as well, so that's been really nice for him to be able to reconnect with some of those guys, and he's been a lot of fun uh, to watch for sure. Uh, and then I think I would also take a look at, you know, I, I don't want to go without mentioning, you know, another quarterback who is almost an LSU player, but ended up choosing to go elsewhere, uh, Felipe Frank, who's here out of Arkansas. He's had a little bit of a rough day. I mean, he's probably one of the more athletic guys that are out here, uh, but his his days are sort of paling in comparison to a couple of the other guys that are around, but he's somebody that you want to see maybe step up a little bit in the final day for sure. My, my last question on, on players there, uh, you, you mentioned one quarterback in Felipe Franks. What about Jamie Newman? I know he's technically yeah. not an SEC guy. He's a Wake Forest quarterback, <laughs> transferred to Georgia, practiced with Georgia, just never played for Georgia. I, right. I I heard some of the or saw some of the tweets out there the other night that he was really wowing in the first day of practices. Uh, has that been kind of the consensus on Jamie Newman? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that everybody feels that Jamie Newman so far is the best arm talent that has hit the field, and that is arm power in terms of him getting the ball down the field, velocity in terms of him being able to sling it quickly, and then also placement has not been an issue at all for him. Accuracy has not been an issue at all for him. He's probably been the most consistent quarterback that's been here thus far. And, uh, you know, we've seen them run a couple of designed runs with him as well, some play-action bootlegs. So they're really, you know, utilizing his mobility, the coaches are, and getting a good look there. And you've got guys that are, you know, accustomed to doing that. You know, obviously he's working with Matt Rule, so that's not far from uh, far from some of the things he just recently did in the NFL with Teddy Bridgewater in terms of taking advantage of the fact that maybe Teddy's not a guy that is going to, you know, run all over the place, but he has the ability to be able to get out of the pocket and extend plays. Getting a look at Jamie Newman in that system has been really beneficial for Jamie Newman because he's fit in very comfortably. Ross Jackson covers uh, covering the Senior Bowl down there, Mobile, part of our Locked On podcast radio network. You can catch him, uh, his podcast, Locked On Saints. Let me just ask you, outside of the SEC, is there somebody that stood out to you that you're looking at and going, man, can't wait to see that guy at the, the NFL level? Yeah, actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, left tackle Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State University has been an absolute snowplow on this field. Uh, he has been in everyone's way, and meanwhile, no one has been in his. <laughs> uh, he has worked at the left tackle position. They also worked him inside and guard. He might have even been better at the guard position, but he is uh, a guy that carries bona fide uh, left tackle traits. He's somebody that gets mocked in the first round every now and then, but isn't a consensus first-round guy. But he's doing all the right things right now to change that, particularly for anybody that might be looking at the future at the left tackle position in the NFL draft. He's been outstanding both in the run and in the pass game and has won just about every rep he stepped on the field for. Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints. And, of course, you can hear him across our Locked On Podcast Network. Give him a follow on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. Ross, great stuff, man. Looking forward to uh, following all the rest of your uh, coverage from the Senior Bowl this week. 
Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. Appreciate all the great work that you're doing for us, man. You've been awesome and uh, appreciate everything that you're doing and uh, great job with the show. Glad to be here with you. Awesome. Thanks so much. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. My thanks to uh, Ross Jackson, certainly uh, from the Senior Bowl, talking all things about the SEC players down there at the Senior Bowl. We'll be back tomorrow, Locked on SEC, talking more on schedule, Tennessee, kind of right in the ship, and much, much more. Get ready for a big weekend of SEC hoops. Some big games happening this weekend. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow here on Locked on SEC.